Hey guys, hope everyone's doing well. Please keep your arms and legs inside and remain seated until the ride comes to a complete stop. Welcome to another episode of Just Give Me Five Minutes, where we're diving into the world of fire sprinkler systems. I'm Mark Eckerd, and together we're making our way through NFPA 13. This is part six of chapter seven. Today we'll be focusing on antifreeze systems and other additives and pipe coatings. So let's start with antifreeze systems. One thing is important to note that antifreeze used in a fire sprinkler system has to be UL listed. This is one of the reasons we stopped installing antifreeze systems for a while. There was no UL listed antifreeze. In ESFR systems, antifreeze should only be used if the ESFR sprinkler is specifically listed for use in antifreeze systems. When an antifreeze system is hydrostatically tested, the water must be completely drained out of the sprinkler heads and the pipe after the 200 PSI testing. However, if the system is hydrostatically tested with the properly mixed and listed antifreeze solution, draining after the 200 PSI two-hour test is not required. To ensure clear communication and identification, a placard indicating the number and location of antifreeze systems supplied by a system riser must be mounted on that riser. Additionally, a placard should be placed on the antifreeze system's main valve listing essential information like the manufacturer, the type of antifreeze, the concentration of the antifreeze, and the number of gallons of antifreeze used in that antifreeze system. Moving on to the antifreeze solutions like we started with, it's crucial that all antifreeze used in sprinkler systems are listed for that specific purpose. There is one exception. For pre-mixed antifreeze solutions of propylene glycol, where it can be used with ESFR sprinklers if the sprinkler is listed for such application, and recharging existing antifreeze systems. Now let's discuss the arrangement of the supply piping and valves. The installation of piping and valves depends on whether or not backflow prevention devices incorporated in the connection between the antifreeze system and the wet pipe system. Specific guidelines and illustrations can be found in NFPA 13. If no backflow preventer is used, we need to take a look in Chapter 7 at a figure 7.6.3.1. If a backflow prevention device is installed, refer to figure 7.6.3.3 or 7.6.3.4. Now, I, I highly recommend that we take a look in our NFPA 13s and look at this section of Chapter 7 so that we can see how that pipe is arranged. Also, if we're using a backflow preventer, we need to install a means for performing a full forward flow test of the backflow preventer. And this has to be done in accordance with NFPA 13 Chapter 8.17.4.5. And this should be provided downstream of the backflow prevention valves. This test ensures that a system can handle the minimum flow rate required, including any hose allowances where applicable. Also, when a backflow prevention device is incorporated in an antifreeze system, a listed expansion chamber should be provided to compensate for thermal expansion and contraction. The size of the expansion chamber should be determined considering precharge air temperature and pressure 
ensuring that a maximum system pressure does not exceed the rated pressure for any components of the antifreeze system. For systems with a low volume not exceeding 40 gallons, a listed one-half inch relief valve can be used instead of the expansion chamber. However, using a relief valve will also result in a loss of antifreeze solution. In terms of testing and maintenance, a test drain connection should be installed at the most remote portion of the system. For systems with a capacity higher than 150 gallons of antifreeze solution, an additional test connection should be provided for every additional 100 gallons. Last thing for this episode, let's talk about additives and coatings as described in Chapter 7.10. Any additives intended for controlling microbiological or other corrosion within the fire sprinkler system should be listed for such use. Additionally, internal pipe coatings, other than galvanizing, that are used for control of corrosion have to be listed for use in a fire sprinkler system. So the only additives we can use in a system will be listed and designed for controlling corrosion. Additives used to stop or prevent pipe, fittings, or sprinklers or any other components from leaking shall never be used in a fire sprinkler system, ever, period. No salt, no liquid glass. Some of you might be thinking, hey, what the heck is liquid glass? Liquid glass is also called sodium silicate. It reacts under certain conditions to form a hard glassy type gel. It's typically used as a bonding agent in cement or products like concrete. It's also an excellent adhesive for glass or porcelain. And it'll clog up pipe and sprinkler heads. We're going to let that wrap it up for Chapter 7. We did skip over a few things in Chapter 7, but I believe we covered the most important information that we'll find useful in installing and repairing and inspections of fire sprinkler systems. Thanks for listening to one more installation of Just Give Me 5 Minutes, where we're breaking down NFPA 13 codes and regulations into small bite-sized sections. As always, remember, measure twice and cut once. 